0: What's going on everybody? It's your boy Jay Rich. This is Straight to the Bank, my podcast on Destination Debbie Radio, but we have a special episode for y'all today because I was scrolling the timeline earlier today and I was looking at something that popped up on my feed. Matt Miller dropped his first round mock draft for 2024 and I thought, who better to call than my best friend, Ray GQ, so we could go through this entire mock draft with y'all he can provide his analysis we can go over all the different landing spots and talk about how we feel about these guys both this season in 2023 and heading into the 2024 nfl draft but first of all i have to say hi to my friend ray gq how are you doing sir happy to have you on the pod my first guest yeah congratulations
1: man, appreciate you it feels good normally we do this we're doing the pod we are releasing this on youtube as well I'm normally driving this type of show, but uh, I'm going to leave it up to you, Jay. So you're captaining us, and I'm excited to dive into the 24 class. And what I tell everybody for fantasy football, whether you're redraft or dynasty, the more you know about the future, the more you information you can ascertain and take away from the next year's class, the better position you could place your dynasty or fantasy football roster in for short and long-term success. So very excited to dive into this 24 class. It's a very good class. I have not seen this mock yet. You woke up, I called you on something unrelated,
0: and you said, Ray, let's do this mock together. So I'm very excited to see where these players land. Yeah, what better than to have the king of college providing his analysis and his opinion on these players instead of just me talking about the landing spots and the fits in the draft capital. Because for me, this is a barometer, right? We're heading into week zero. We're super excited for college football. And more importantly, we do need to look ahead because for everything that the 23 class was, we are on to 2024, baby. And the season's gonna come and go quicker than we know it. And so we have to have a spot where we say, this is where these guys started and then we'll see where they ultimately end up. And I'm sure you'll have some opinions on that But let's start off with the 101 in Matt Miller's mock draft. And we will get into number two as well because they are related. The Houston Texans decided to trade away their first overall pick to the Arizona Cardinals to land Will Anderson in the 2023 NFL draft. And Matt Miller and ESPN have the Cardinals with the top two selections in this mock draft. So with number one, they selected USC quarterback Caleb Williams. And with number two, Ray... Probably our favorite prospect in the draft, one of my favorite prospects in the draft, man, for like the last 10 years, Marvin Harrison Jr. out of Ohio State, the phenom wide receiver. Let's start with Caleb Williams and how you feel about him because, of course, there is still a Kyler Murray problem. There is a whole new regime in Arizona. So how do you feel about Caleb Williams if he did ultimately go number one overall and end up on the Arizona Cardinals?
1: Listen, man, I think this is a very, a very realistic outcome for the Arizona Cardinals. Earlier this year, I talked about it. I said, man, it would be pretty wild if Arizona was bad enough to finish number one. They draft Caleb Williams and then turn right back around and draft Marvin Harrison Jr. And the thing that gives this more credence to me, more credit, more credibility, is the fact that Arizona, they have a new GM They have a new head coach. And normally, when those things happen, they want to shop for their own groceries, which means a new quarterback is incoming. Now, Kyler Murray just got the big Call of Duty extension, so there's going to be some finagling of the numbers to kind of figure out if they can actually trade him. But where there's a will, there's a way. Everybody told me, Jay, there's no way the Packers can trade Aaron Rodgers, and we see that he's on the Jets. This is going to be something where I believe the new GM – the new head coach, could look at this situation and say, we could reset our franchise, sell out every season single ticket that we have and draft Caleb Williams, the phenom out of USC, and Matt Miller calls Marvin Harrison Jr. the best wide receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson in 2007. This is what you look for as a franchise-changing move, and that coincides with them spending their first-round pick last year with trade down, accumulating more capital, to get Paris Johnson the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. So while I, I, I will say that I would prefer from day one Marvin Harrison catching passes from Kyler Murray because I've seen Kyler Murray be a star in the NFL, these two go to Arizona, fantasy gamers would lose their mind. Jay, I, I think you would see people start off startups in Dynasty, Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. They'd just They'd just be all in Cardinals. So, I think this is kind of chalky right now. Caleb, Marv, one, two, sounds about right to me
0: yeah i mean you talked about the gm and the head coach and resetting and it's it's so easy to say well i didn't sign that guy what like i'm not tied to him i didn't draft kyler murray this isn't my plan so when it all fails it's just easy to blame the previous regime but yep. at the same time we know the power of the rookie quarterback and especially when you talk about a prospect like marvin harrison jr the power of a star receiver uh, jamar chase a uh, justin jefferson on those rookie contracts these guys are putting up phenomenal numbers every single season and we fully expect marv to do that but you brought up an interesting conversation in a dynasty startup draft where is caleb williams ranked and where's marvin harrison ranked because we fully expect marvin harrison to be the third overall receiver on startup drafts in dynasty pretty much the time he gets drafted maybe before he gets drafted maybe after he gets drafted but he's gonna be top five he's gonna go to a great team he's gonna be a dominant wide receiver and people already love him but the other point you brought up is the ability to get caleb williams and Marvin Harrison Jr you're with your first two picks in a startup draft. I'd be willing to bet you can't do that because that's just how high these guys are going to go. You may be n- you may not be able to get Marvin Harrison maybe not and Caleb. We expect Caleb to probably be top 5 top 6 and then the wide receiver 3 in dynasty could be, you know, in that top 12 it still is. so you have to have probably a it's, top 8 pick to get Caleb maybe higher than that and yeah. the next pick around Marvin Harrison ain't going to be there, my friend. He's just not. He's probably not going to be I there. Think I, oh, here's the thing. Here's The, the thing. Here's pairing the thing. is so tantalizing, though. You're so going to still
1: have Bijan inside the first round. Chase and Jefferson are probably still in the first round. You're going to have at least four quarterbacks before Caleb Williams off the board. So if you're yes. picking 110, 111, 112, I think you'll have a shot to be able to go Caleb Marv. I'm not saying that's what you should do. And I do believe that Marvin Harrison Jr. will be or is currently viewed as the wide receiver three in Dynasty. And again, I'm not saying that's right, but I do believe that when it's all said and done, he's a number two overall pick, greatest wide receiver mm-hmm. prospect of all time will be the narrative. People are going to say, I'd rather have him over CeeDee Lamb. I'd rather have him over A.J. Brown, over Amarillo yep. St. Brown. It's not going to be about production. It's going to be that name value, that name cachet, And the profile, he's a damn good wide receiver prospect. So I like both of these guys at the top. Good picks by Matt.
0: Yeah, there was kind of easy when you really look at it. You know, the two best prospects to some degree when you're looking at a lot of positions. But, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr., the favorite to be the first non-quarterback off the board already. And then, of course, Caleb Williams, like minus 500 to be the number one overall pick, whether he's on the Cardinals or not. But let's move forward, Ray, because there is another quarterback that we need to talk about who I think is maybe flying a little bit under the radar. And you may have an interesting take because he is going third overall. Under the radar. A little bit under the radar. A little bit under the radar because everyone talks about Caleb Williams. And you've been on record saying you believe that Drake May could be a prospect that's potentially even better than Caleb Williams. And on top of that, we had our friend Jordan Backus in his analytics model actually likes Drake May over Caleb Williams when you look at the analytics. Now, he doesn't have him ranked that way, But, of course, the analytics are what they are, and we just look at them from a wholesale perspective. But Drake May going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Ray, that doesn't sound so great. You have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, for as long as they're there, for as long as they're productive. And initially, I think it's a good fit. But long-term, do you think it could be a problem? And I do want you to touch on UNC and what we expect from them this season and what we expect from Drake May, because third overall, that's as high as he's probably going to go. Maybe two overall, third, I don't like the Bucks fit personally, but how do you feel about Drake May heading into this 2023 uh, season in college football and what you expect from him in the 2024 NFL draft?
1: I expect for him to play well. I expect for him to look like how he looked last year, 4,000-yard passer, pushing damn near 1,000 yards on the ground. That's Those are my expectations. However, there is a very problematic reality transpiring right now at North Carolina They do not have a guy at wide receiver. There was a transfer, Devontae Walker. Tez Walker was slated to be first-team All-ACC wide receiver, going to be Drake May's number one, just slide in, replace Josh Downs, who matriculated onto the NFL. But the NCAA has so far up to this point in time declined his waiver to play, making him ineligible, which means – Drake May's leading returning receiver from last year was uh, some senior wide receiver that had about 400 yards and a tight end. I I don't think it will be Drake May. I don't think it will be Drake May. I don't think it will be Drake May. But every single year, Jay, we go into the season thinking this quarterback's Mm going to be QB1, QB2, and then we get to the end of the season, we go through the draft process, and that quarterback is nowhere to be found. I know it seems easy to sit back today and be like Sam Howell, fifth rounder. But going into yep. that final season, people thought he could be the number one overall pick. People wanted Sam Howell to be that guy. We'll see. All I'm saying is there's going to be a quarterback or two that we were are very excited about, that we are bullish on right now, that when we get to April of 2024, they're nowhere in the picture. And it's going to happen because it happens every single year. I don't believe it's going to be Drake May, but I'm also very aware that right now, not having Tez Walker is a problem.
0: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like maybe you are a little bit concerned about Drake May, because again, bit, if, the offense, if the offense if the doesn't perform, we know that FSU has a loaded roster. Clemson will be good. Like, there's a lot of good things happening in the ACC this season, so I wouldn't be shocked. You know, you brought up Sam Howell, who lost to Amy Brown and then had a down season the following year. Now we have Drake May losing Josh Downs, his number one playmaker, whether he was in the lineup or not. We'll see how he performs because ultimately we see this all the time. Same thing happened to Justin Herbert and that's probably the closer comp. His junior season, he had a great year, should have came out, didn't. Ultimately had a worse senior year, even though from a leadership per standpoint, a lot of people were impressed with what he did. I think we'll see similar things from Drake May in 2023. I'm not so concerned about the talent, but as you said, if the production isn't there, the draft capital may not be there either. But let's get to another quarterback who is the next player off the board for fantasy purposes. And we expect big things from this quarterback. We did not see enough of him last season, and that is Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers, right? A perfect prospect per 24-7 Sports, one of the highest-rated prospects of all time. I actually have friends who know Quinn a little bit, went to school with Quinn, so I know a little bit more insight about him, but you know, all reports are dude's arm talent is just off the charts. I hope to see it on display for a full season. We saw it in little bits last year, especially you go back, roll back that Alabama tape. So excited for week two when he gets a second crack at yeah. Alabama. I think he's got a real shot even at Bama. To win that game, Ray. But the Commanders, and you mentioned Sam Howell taking Quinn Ewers at eight overall. Matt Miller doesn't seem to be so sold on old Sam Howell, and he's looked great in the preseason so far. But the other factor you brought up in Arizona, new ownership new management potentially as well could be a big factor here. These guys want to make a splash. They want a star player. And what better than the former golden mullet, but a supreme athlete, phenomenal talent, superstar potentially going to Washington to bring new life into this franchise. How do you feel about Quinn Ewers this season and what you expect from him in the 2024 NFL draft?
1: I expect Texas to win the Big 12 and push for a college football playoff spot. If they win the Big 12, they're going to college football playoffs. If they win the Big 12, quarterback played well all accounts people that I know that played at University of Texas that are still tapped in it's Quinn's job it's not Arch Manning it's not Malik Murphy it's Quinn Ewers you look at that offense yes they lost Bijan Robinson but they've got some studs there at receiver at running back the 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 new guys that have come in at running back receiving core is good and they've got a phenomenal tight end that we may talk about later down the line Um, but Jay this is um this is going to be a situation where Quinn is set up to succeed I believe Mm -hmm. in Steve Sarkeesian. He has developed tons of quarterbacks that have gone on to the NFL. Quinn has matured. He's lost weight. He talked about stop eating so much Chick-fil-A. He's ready to roll. So, listen, I like Sam Howell. I think that he could potentially earn this job for the long haul. So we'll see how it plays out. But if not, and Washington's picking eighth overall, then that tells me Ron Rivera's probably out as head coach, new head coach, new quarterback, you know the story.
0: Yeah, we've seen it happen time and time again. And I wouldn't be shocked at all if it happened to Washington because for everything they have, they do need a quarterback, whether it's Sam Howell or not, we're gonna find out pretty shortly. But I think the good thing for if Quinn does go there, we like all the weapons there, whether they bring Antonio Gibson back or not. The Eric Enemy offense should be great for fantasy purposes and be high flying. It's just, do they have the right guy at the helm in 23? We'll find out. But in 2024, I think that Quinn could definitely be that guy. The guy who as well has to prove himself out in Chicago, Ray, will be getting a new weapon at 11 overall because there is another wide receiver out of Ohio State who a lot of people have pegged as their wide receiver to right now. I don't know if he's your wide receiver too, but he's a phenomenal talent. And I'm talking about OSU wide receiver Emeka Ibuka a slot god, potentially, for the Chicago Bears. I think he would pair so well next to DJ Moore. I think he'd be great for Justin Fields. They still have Cole Komet. They can figure out the running game. Who else they bring in at wide receiver? I'm not so sure, because we know that Claypool's going to be gone. This could allow them to get rid of Mooney as well and not have to pay him. So I think this could be great for Fields. But the question is, Ray, because I've talked on this show a lot about the Bears. Can Justin Fields support all of these weapons, if they do go 11 overall and take a Buka, which I think would be great for the roster, how would that be for fantasy? And could he be a top wide receiver option for us, especially in rookie drafts?
1: Doubt it for fantasy, um, as as it's currently sits of what we know about Justin Fields the passer today. But this is a 24-mock. So if the Bears select Emeka here at 11, that tells me that Fields probably had a pretty good season. He probably made enough steps and he impressed enough people to say we feel confident moving forward with this young man. If that's what the Bears feel, they drafty Mecca, potentially Claypool is not there. I don't I don't think they've signed him to any extension. Then I, support, yes, make him a fantasy star to where you have to have him. I still need to see an uptick in efficiency an uptick in volume. I doubt that hell. You're concerned about one guy, let alone 2 3 in a tight end with a running game. So This is one where I feel like it's a much better team fit than fantasy fit, but I would like to see uh, Justin Fields get another weapon. I think it would only make him be better. Emeka isn't my wide receiver two at the moment. He's in a tier with two other receivers to be the wide receiver two, but right now if I had to pick, I'd bet on some of the talents and traits of another receiver a little bit bit more than Emeka. You see a lot of people say he's really good, not great. My friend Jordan Mm -hmm. Reed has said, He feels like a number two. Jordan Reed has told me he's like a number two receiver. I think he's going to be a solid number two guy. But he's got a whole season to improve, a whole season to get better. So it's way too early to be like, this is my definitive one, two, three, four. Well, there is a definitive one. It's Marv. But (laughs) after, after that, let's let some stuff play out. Right now, he's not my two, but he's damn near there. He's in the tier with the other guys.
0: Yeah, I think you highlighted a great point here. Uh, nobody wanted Chris Olave when he was next to Garrett Wilson, right? And and this is kind of what the same situation is for everything that OSU does for us in uh, fantasy worlds for wide receivers. I- I- Mega could be great he could be the next Chris Olave that no one really wants that people are unsure about but gets drafted high and this is confidence for me to say that he will probably be a top 2025 pick because there are other receivers that will be drafted and I think knowing that he's going to be a top pick whether you have him in Debbie leagues or you're targeting him right now and you're projecting him he, he projects very well unless something happens no one's going to shine next to Marv because Marv is just otherworldly and I think you compare Chris Olave to Garrett Wilson the gap between those guys is much larger when you compare Marv to Abuka, And I think that's just the prospect that Marv is. And so that's a big factor as well. But overall, I think Ibuka is gonna be a great receiver, but I totally understand if he's not your two or even your three, because I think we know who he is and he's going to be good. But as you mentioned, not great. A player that we do expect to be great though, who in my opinion is kind of falling a little bit in this mock mm. draft, because he's a guy that a lot of people have pegged for top 10 as potentially the greatest tight end prospect we've ever seen, potentially even greater than Kyle Pitts. His production from the time he stepped on Georgia as a freshman speaks for itself. But at 17, Ray, we have Brock Bowers heading to the Houston Texans with the Cleveland pick. And overall, I don't feel great about this one. I think it could be okay, right? This Texans offense, you're saying, okay, he's going to play that George Kittle role in the San Francisco offense that D'Amico Ryan's brought over. I don't know if I'm sold on that, and the reason why is the size. I have to give Scott Connor credit for this because he kind of brought this up about Bowers. He's not this prototypical big tight end that we have in the NFL. He's not the guy that you're drafting in the top 15 like a TJ Hawkinson, and so that's a big problem. Now, he's listed here by Matt Miller at 6'4", 230, but when you see him next to Darnell Washington, he doesn't look 6'4", 230. Now, he might be 230, but the question is, is he really 6'4", or is he closer to a Irv Smith type of tight end who is 6'2", 230, and we know how that worked out for Irv Smith. I love Brock Bowers. He will be a great tight end, but do you have any concerns with him on Houston? Because I don't think the fit is great for fantasy, but I think the top 20 draft capital would be good. I'm just not so sure if I'm sold on this offense as a whole. I'm just going to bet on the talent.
1: You do not see collegiate tight ends Collegiate offenses run their system through a tight end. You just don't see it, Jay. It just doesn't happen. You don't see it. It's something that just does not happen in college. And you're talking about Georgia's number one passing option for a team that went on and won the natty, what, back-to-back seasons, back-to-back national championships. And that offense ran through. I know Stetson Bennett did his thing, but Brock Bowers was the guy. So what I'm looking at the talent and skill set of Bowers, I'm just going to focus on that. I don't want to look at the peripherals. I don't want to look at Houston. I don't want to think about the situation. I just want to say Bowers is a stud, and he's going to be a stud in the league. Does the situation get me excited? Not really. But Brock Bowers should be good enough to overcome some of this, I hope.
0: So you actually and tweeted I, I out hope the other it's day. Not good. Hope is not good, but yeah. <laughs> you, are you, about you, to- you tweeted out the other day, uh, hope is the number one killer of dynasty teams. And you say that all the time. You, you say you're hoping, uh, we'll see, I we're know. not sold. A I lot know. of not so great words. And this is a guy that we had pegged as a tier one prospect, not necessarily the same caliber as Marvin Harrison Jr., but a tier one prospect that we would take probably in the top six, top seven, top eight of our Superflex rookie drafts. And a guy that you probably had pegged in the top what three or four potentially ahead of all the running backs in this class right? So that's a big problem for us if we're not so sold. And I think to your point, if he's not a top 10 pick, which to me does make a difference, because that's a very large um, instill of confidence in a player to be top 10. If he's 17, if he's 18, if he's 19, I'm kind of like, okay, that's around where some of these very raw, but talented tight ends go, but not necessarily these feature guys that we want to have in these offenses. And another guy going to another not so great spot, but out of the University of Texas, Ray, one of your favorite prospects when he was a freshman going at 18 to the Miami Dolphins is none other than Texas wide receiver is Xavier Worthy. Mm. I don't know what Matt Miller is doing wow. here. This is just god-awful for fantasy. We Speed. have Tyreek Hill, Speed, we have Jalen Waddell, and now we need another 4-3 wide receiver who, again, broke out super early. So the analytics profile looks great for Xavier Worthy. But how the hell can we confidently draft Xavier Worthy in rookie drafts, knowing that he has to overcome Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And both those guys are already heavily targeted in the offense. There isn't even a wide receiver three of confidence in this offense at all that we even draft in fantasy. You don't even yeah. know who it is. Is it Cedric Wilson? Is it a tight end? We don't know. But as Xavier Worthy goes there, we have to pay attention to it. But the question remains is like, how would you feel about this for fantasy? For Tua, it's great. Oh, for Tua, yeah. it's wheels up. But for Worthy and and for where you may have to draft him in rookie drafts, probably in the top 10 or so, it may be a little bit rich for me knowing the situation's not going to get any better anytime soon. This is a spot, Jay, where if
1: Xavier Worthy lands in Miami, it's going to be great for Tua. Like you said, you're adding another field stretcher to this offense. Right now, Tyreek Hill is the primary field stretcher. Jalen Waddle's dope after the catch, but they don't use him down the field. They use him short and intermediate. So you add another guy to learn from Tyreek, maybe preparing for life after Tyreek Hill, but this is good for Tua. It's good for the Miami offense. It's a problem for the AFC East and defenders that have to deal with that week in and week out. For fantasy, Jay, it it sort of feels like JSN, when he came into an established situation with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. I believe that Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are better than DK and Tyler Lockett And I don't think Xavier Worthy is as good as Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I think you would look for a situation like that to where you see some splash plays early, they get him involved in the offense, and you're kind of waiting for the day that one of those other two wide receivers aren't there so he could step up and take that next step. But like X-Worthy, and if you're going to tell me Quinn Ewers is going to be eighth overall pick, then that probably means he had a dope season and Xavier Worthy is the primary beneficiary. For fantasy, uh, I don't know right away. Maybe it provides a little bit of a discount to buy him in rookie drafts.
0: Yeah, it's one of those issues where we love the talent, but you mentioned JSN, and it's actually a worse situation, and we don't know when Tyreek is leaving. So are you really going to draft a guy in the first round of a rookie draft knowing that you're probably two-plus years away from any usable production in your fantasy leagues? And that's the biggest problem, I think, with Worthy if he does end up on the Dolphins. It's a phenomenal fit. I think he fits into the offense great, but he doesn't fit because there's two very talented receivers ahead of him and they only support two currently. And I don't think they would be able to support a third without taking away volume from Tyreek and Waddle, which in my opinion is absolutely not gonna happen. But I do have to get to the next player on the list who went 20th overall in Matt Miller's 2024 mock draft because it is one of your favorite players and a player I'm not overly familiar with. So I'm definitely going to be leaning on you here to discuss some of this prospect because he is rising. I've heard the name a ton. I need to watch more tape, but at 20, Roma Dunze out of Washington, Ray, he is going to be the wide receiver one for Michael Penix and a guy who is flying up draft boards right now. Tell the people about him, about what you expect for him in 2023, and how you'd feel about him in this fit next to Chris Olave in New Orleans. I am a big Rome fan.
1: Right now, today, if I just had to to put a flag on who's going to end up rising up and being the wide receiver two of this class, remember another one of those risers, Jay, where you know the fantasy community was watching this thing play out. You saw Zay Flowers with the late rise, this year Mm -hmm. who wasn't talked about being a top guy. Jordan Addison, you know, coming in, it was Boutte. Then it was this player, JSN. Then it was kind of Addison at three or four after QJ. Rome is going to smash this year. Washington's offense should be, we're talking about prop betting, take the overs. Michael Penix, Rome, Jalen McMillan, they are going to sling it around the football field in their final season in the Pac-12. This is going to be a very high-flying offense for the Washington Huskies and Roma Dunze is going to be a big part of that. You're talking about a player who's six foot three, two hundred and ten pounds. If you liked Quentin Johnston's skill set, right, and, and and him catching Ooh. the ball, you will love Rome because he's a smoother, more fluid athlete than Quentin Johnston, in my opinion. Reports are he is going to blaze. He's got the complete route tree, the body control, the hands. This is a guy that does not get the attention that Emeka Ibuka gets, does not get the attention of a uh, of an Xavier worthy of a Malik neighbors, because they play at Texas and LSU and Ohio State. And he plays on Pac-12 after dark, where Washington's mm-hmm. playing against Boise State at 10 p.m. Nobody's staying up on that. Jay, you're in Canada. When Washington's playing, it's like 1 a.m. You're not staying up watching Roma Dunze. So this is a player that it will take a little bit for people to really catch on. I don't know when Washington's first primetime game is, but when you see him, you'll be like, holy shit, this guy looks like Chris Olave, but bigger. So I'm very excited about him this season. Probably going to end up at least early going into the season for 2024, my wide receiver two in the class.
0: Oh, wide receiver
1: two. Damn. And it means nothing. It means (laughs) nothing. I'm just... He's in the same tier as Malik Neighbors, Xavier Worthy, and Ibuka. But if I had to prioritize him, I'd take... Because part of it is betting on what you think a player can become, not just who they are today. Right now, I would say Emeka Ibuka is a better receiver today than Rome. But once we get through the process and the physical measurables are out, his season is over, and you look at the skill set, I believe most people will say... I think this is a guy that could push to be the second wide receiver off of the board behind Marv.
0: Yeah, and I think you brought up a lot of good points, and one of the things that I do like about Rome is he is a bigger receiver. We saw that premium this offseason where everyone's too small. Nobody was big enough, and we saw Jonathan Mango and Cedric Tillman get pushed up draft boards because teams still want big-bodied outside wide receivers, and if Rome can do that, you know, operate in that Michael Thomas role in this New Orleans offense, he could be a guy who gets drafted very high in rookie drafts because we already like the system, we already like the player, and if the talent and draft capital match up, We already saw plenty of receivers go in the 20s this last draft, and we fully expect them to have big seasons this year, whether it's Addison, whether it's Zay Flowers, whether it's Quinn Johnston, whether it's JSN, all these guys drafted in the same spot, and I think it's another great spot for a receiver here, and I think the Saints would be foolish if they passed on him because they do need another receiver next to Chris Olave, and he could be the X and maybe relegate Chris Olave to be the two in that offense. But, Ray, at 21, we have the Minnesota Vikings and and a lot of people who haven't been following the situation have been pegging quarterbacks whether it's Trey Lance and name another quarterback who's going to be a free agent next season because we all know Kirk Cousins is a free agent, he does not have a new deal and Matt Miller had to address that but maybe not with the quarterback you'd expect at 21 quarterback out of Michigan to the Minnesota Vikings JJ McCarthy Ray tell me a little bit about McCarthy because I don't watch them a lot because Michigan games are boring. Big Ten games in general are boring. I don't, I don't like. I watch SEC. I watch some Big Twelve action. I watch a little bit of Pac yeah, Twelve. a Christians true. Play, college you know? football I'm a, enthusiast. I'm a bit of a You're casual. You know? come on. I, I don't want to see them just. I don't want to see them just grind out the, the clock, running up the middle. I mean, I have to watch Donovan Edwards at some point, but I'll wait till the draft process for that. But tell me about McCarthy, because I know that he was a highly touted prospect. I know he has the skill set that could translate to the NFL. He can both run. And it's really just the passing that is a little bit questionable with McCarthy. But do you think he's really deserving of this 21st overall selection in the first round? Because that seems to be the most polarizing part about him. It's like, yes, he has the tools, but does he really have the talent to warrant a first overall selection and especially be quarterback four off the board in this mock draft that Matt Miller has him in right now?
1: First round today, I think, is a little ambitious. I think it's a little ambitious today. But I will say this. This offense should be very good. They've got Cornelius Johnson back at wide receiver. They've got a couple of good young tight ends. They've got two of the best running backs in college football. And, Jay, all five of their offensive linemen have already been extended invitations from Jim Nagy to attend the senior bowl. This should Damn. be one of the best offensive front units in college. And when you've got Donovan Edwards and Blake Corm at running back, it should make throwing windows and opportunities for McCarthy very easy. This is a team that I think should push to win if not win the Big 10 in 2023, especially with the uncertainty at the quarterback position at Ohio State. But if JJ can capitalize on this advantageous situation, the strong running game, the big offensive line, the physical tools are there. He can run. The kid is bl- he is you're talking about athletic Drake May, Caleb mm-hmm. Williams. I believe JJ McCarthy is a He's at least as good an athlete as Caleb Williams and Drake May. At least as good as those guys. It's the consistency thrown from the pocket. It's him making throws on the run that he has not done so far throughout his collegiate career. So finally, in his third season, with this offensive line, with the rushing attack, I do think that this is the type of guy, Jay, that— We saw this in 2021 going into that season. It was T-Law, Fields, Fields, T-Law. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trey Lance because of the physical tools, the traits. I'm not saying McCarthy's jumping Caleb Williams or Drake May. But when you're talking about maybe pushing for that QB3 spot over Quinn, maybe if Drake May has a down season, maybe J.J. McCarthy steps up and and puts some stuff on wax this year where a team says we'll take him over the other guys. Right now, today, I think first round is a little out over your skis, but I'm excited to see him this year.
0: Yeah, and we're projecting, right? And like you said, Michigan's going to be a good team, and, and for whatever reason, that matters to NFL execs. They want to see guys who win games in college and win at a high level, and when you're playing well on a big stage, which McCarthy did to some degree in that game against TCU, he didn't play his best game, but he certainly showed some flashes of what make could make him a great quarterback at the NFL level. But, Ray, we do have to move on because this is probably my favorite selection in the entire mock draft. Matt Miller did you a favor. He said, you know what, GQ? I got you. I know what your Cowboys need. I know where we need to go. And while you were on an LSU receiver last season, you may be even more excited this year if this ultimately came about because Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver out of LSU, is headed to Dallas. Per Matt Miller, we know that Michael Gallup is there and we're a little bit unsure about his certainty in Dallas. We know they brought in Brandon Cooks, so they need pass-catching weapons. We don't know if Dak Prescott is a future, but I think we all know that we'd be pretty excited if Malik Neighbors ended up in Dallas. Talk to the people about Malik Neighbors and how you would feel if he didn't end up on your Dallas Cowboys next April.
1: Yeah, man. You talked about it. I was in on Keyshawn Boutte at the start of the season and it was readily apparent very early that the best receiver on the field for LSU was number eight, and that's Malik Neighbors. Now, Jay, what I have not looked at, is he wearing number seven this year? I need to go see, did they give Malik the number seven or did they give it to, um, they've got a defensive tackle, I think it's Mason Smith, that's crazy. That'd be crazy if they gave him the seven, they they could. But, Neighbors, you're talking about the size, the speed, the athleticism. Another one of the guys, you talk about Roma Dunze. I wouldn't be shocked if we look up in the NFLs like I want that guy from LSU, Malik Neighbors, behind Marvin Harrison Jr. I think this would be a great fit for Dallas' offense. He could slide into that wide receiver role. Opposite CeeDee Lamb, let's not forget, Brandon Cooks is only on a one-year deal. Michael Gallup, Mm -hmm. you got Jalen Tolbert making some noise, but I don't think that the Cowboys would shy away from adding another playmaker, and they've done a good job of selecting wide receivers in the first round, especially the past couple of years, so you tell telling me that this talented young wide receiver who hit some very important benchmarks and thresholds as a true sophomore goes to Dallas? This would be one where, Jay, let me just ask you, Emeka with Justin Fields, knowing what you know today, let's not just today, I don't care about what, if Fields throws for 5,000 yards, great, we'll change the tune. Yeah. But knowing what you know today, Emeka in Chicago or Malik Neighbors catching passes in the offense with Dak Prescott?
0: It would have to be Malik Neighbors. And I wouldn't even say it's very close. You know, you're talking about a guy 72 receptions, a thousand yards, only three touchdowns. And I think that's where he could grow. But knowing Jaden Daniels gonna be the quarterback there, maybe we don't see a massive touchdown spike for neighbors. But 14 yards per reception, both of his seasons as a freshman and a sophomore, great for Malik Neighbors. And I think in Dallas, he would absolutely smash. The problem is he's never gonna supplant CeeDee Lamb as the one, but could definitely be an outside threat. And be the number two pretty comfortably in that offense right away and a guy I'd be happy to take in probably the top eight to ten of a superflex rookie draft because you know we talked about davia worthy in miami we talked about abuka in chicago obviously marv is locked in at one but you know a dunze in uh new orleans or would you take malik neighbors in dallas i think you could easily make the case that neighbors has the best opportunity for both early production and a high ceiling i think if this did happen it would be great for fantasy. And if Dak Prescott was the quarterback, we should be pretty happy because then he has his two weapons locked up for a very long time and as long as he's going to be the quarterback in Dallas.
1: Agreed. Agreed. I'm with you 100%, Jay. Uh, we saw CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper both be good. And that was when CD was young. So mm-hmm. CD would still be fine. He would be CD, And Malik Neighbors, I think, would be a very usable piece in that offense. I'd be excited for fantasy.
0: Oh, I, I know you'd be excited. But, Ray... We have to get to the last pick. Number 32 overall in Matt Miller's draft. I just looked at it. it, I just looked at it. It it would not be fitting to do a mock draft without the Kansas City Chiefs taking an offensive weapon (laughs) with the 32nd overall pick. And I'm not talking about a running Mm. back. I'm not talking about a wide receiver. Mm -mm. Per Matt Miller, it would be foolish to predict Travis Kelsey will slow down as the number one target for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. But he does turn 34 this season. The Chiefs might want to look ahead, given the importance of the safety valve in the offense. The six foot four, two hundred forty-three pound Jatavian Sanders, tight end from Texas. Right, we already have Quinn Ewers going eight overall. We have Xavier Worthy going 18 overall. Now we got Jatavian Sanders going 32nd Ooh, overall. Man. And to your point, if Quinn is the eighth overall pick and playing at that level, Sanders could easily be a top draft choice because he does have the size. He is a freak athlete compared to Bowers and Ray on Kansas City. Could he push Brock Bowers for tight end one if he gets the first round capital and ends up in Kansas City? Jay, you
1: know, I I don't, we we are not one for hot takes. We are passionate with our takes and we, we try to back them with reason and logic. And I look at Jatavian Sanders and you take a look at his recruiting profile. Coming out of high school, he was rated as an athlete, number one athlete in the class, 13th best player overall in the class. His comparison was Johnu Smith of the Tennessee Titans as a prospect. Okay. When you watch JT, the thing that he does so well is he is a three down tight end. He can play on first and second downs, in line and block, and you can flex him out, move him in that in that Y flex role that Travis Kelsey plays. If he were to land in Kansas City and think about what's happened throughout this mock. His quarterback went 8th overall. His Mm -hmm. receiver went 18th overall. There were probably some O-linemen or defenders that we didn't look at that also were drafted in this mock from Texas. But this would tell me that Texas did, in fact, have a fantastic year under Quinn Ewers and Steve Sark. And Sanders is going to be a big part of that. While the offense did not run through him the way the offense ran through Bowers at Georgia, it's not an indictment on Jatavian Sanders. This kid is going to be... If he does what he needs to do, he's going to be the tight end, two in this class. And you're telling me a 35-year-old Kelsey going Mm -hmm. into next season, Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's a world in which fantasy gamers will say, give me Sanders over Bowers. And we just saw this in 2020 when you had JT ranked ahead of Clyde. Clyde goes to Kansas City. Clyde gets propelled five, six spots as the RB1. So... I'm still Bowers. I'm still team okay. Bowers. But if this were to happen, I would be a damn lie if I said I didn't want a
0: few <laughs> shares of
1: Sanders, man.
0: I'd be a lie. I'd be a liar. Yeah, that's the biggest problem, right? Is that, you know, Kelsey is there and there is also Patrick Mahomes oh, versus CJ Stroud in Houston. Yuck. I don't want that. I want right. Patrick Mahomes. I want Kansas City. I want Andy Reid. And it's it's the problem with the dynasty manager is that you're not going to get the production out the gate but if he hits you know bowers may be better in his rookie season maybe in the sophomore season but by that third year if they draft sanders in the first round he's gonna get a shot to be travis kelsey and all indicators whether it's matt miller or you talking about it he has the potential skill set to replace him to some degree. Maybe not fully, maybe not be a Hall of Fame tight end, but he can do similar things and operate in similar areas and succeed. And that's the biggest thing is that, do you take the proven commodity who's dominated in college and Brock Bowers, especially when you look at the air yard share, market share, all these numbers, versus a Sanders who maybe has a little bit less, but the upside, if everything hits, could be there. And I think that's the problem we may be in as dynasty managers is that realistically, we could see Jatavian Sanders ahead of Brock Bowers and ADP simply because the landing spot is Kansas City and we've yep. seen it before. But every year, you're going to fool me again. It doesn't matter what, hey, yeah, Kansas City, yeah, you'll, yeah, fool, yeah. Me you'll fool me again. You again. can fool me 23, 24, 25. You can fool me every year. As long as Patrick Holmes is there, I will be drafting whoever they take in these drafts because they are always going to have a shot but Ray, I cannot thank you enough for coming on with me. Is there anything you want to talk about as kind of wholesale takeaways? We love to talk about this stuff because it gives us much more context and perspective to a draft class that maybe we like 10 guys, but when you look at it like this, we may only like six guys. And we talked about some of the reasons why we may not like some of these guys in certain spots, nothing to do with the prospect, but the landing spot has a big thing to do with it. So do you have any wholesale perspective you want to give to the people before we head out of here and kind of what your thoughts are on the mock as a whole?
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was a good. I, I, I enjoy these exercises just to see where some of the draft scouts are projecting some of these players. The reality is, Jay, the list that we're looking at today is going to look so much different come February, come March, come April of 2024. But again, the more you, the more you know about future classes, the better you can prepare your team for short and long term success. So we will continue to see these. We will continue to do these. We will continue to talk about these throughout the entire college football season. The biggest takeaway is the 24 class is a good class. While there are no Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson level of running back prospects, the wide receiver class is just as good, at least on paper. The quarterbacks could be better in 2024 than they are in 2023. You look at 23 now, you've already got some people saying, man, I don't know about Bryce. I don't know about Stroud. Levis True. is done. A. Rich is the- when Aiden O'Connell is being talked about as the best quarterback so far the preseason, you know, you're, hope, you're hopeful that those other guys get it going. And then the tight end class probably won't be as deep as what we just had. But if you get two yeah. elite guys like this in the first round, that's what we're searching for. So I would just say stay tapped into what we're doing. Make sure you're following our podcast feed, Destination Devi Radio, Jay Richards show stay straight to the bank. We don't do this often to just kind of do these – unscheduled shows, but hopefully if you all like it, hit the thumbs up button, like and subscribe. We might do these a little more but the 24 class is good. Gotta see what's happening at a running back because there's like five or six guys jockeying for RB1 and 24 now.
0: Yeah, another year where running backs are once again disrespected, None in the first round. I think, as you mentioned, it may be similar to like we saw in 2020 where there's five or six really talented backs with great profiles, but there's no reason to reach for one in the first because there's so many options. And I think that may be where we're headed with running back in the 2024 NFL draft. But Ray, I can't thank you enough for coming on and being my first guest on Straight to the Bank. And as you mentioned, make sure you're tapped in, subscribe to the podcast feed, subscribe to everything we do at Destiny. Devi, and I'll be back for Wake Up on Monday. I'm out. Peace.